second. I know we've had worship, but can we take about five seconds and just give him a lot of praise right now? Just thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise your mighty name, God. Amen, 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 amen. God is good, amen. I just got back, so if I'm a little sleepy, if I start to wander in my talk, just, I want you to go like that and say, snap out of it, pastor, okay? Can you practice that? Everybody just snap out of it, pastor, okay? So, no, my grandmother passed this week, and so we traveled back to Ohio on Thursday, and I'm had an incredible funeral on Saturday, 94 years old, so beautiful, and um, she went to see Jesus, amen? So good, so good. And then drove back yesterday and got back like at 1.15 this morning. So you ever been tired and a little tongue-tied? Good. Have you ever been tired and tongue-tied in front of about 180, maybe 200 people? No. Okay. So <laughs> bear with me. But I want you to open your Bibles this morning to Exodus chapter 6. Exodus chapter 6. And if you missed last week, the start of our series, um, we just kind of set up the series last week. We began to look at four things that we're going to unfold over the next four weeks starting today. And so I'm excited about looking at these four steps that God does in our life or these four movements that God does to bring not just only Christian success, if you will, that's a weird way of saying it, but to bring victory in our Christian life, but also to allow us to help others in their walk and help others that God's trying to connect with. And last week I said there's nothing more elementary in life than breathing. How many started breathing this morning when you woke up? No, you, you breathed all night or you wouldn't have woke up, right? Right? And so this is so elementary, you don't even think about it. It's just a natural receiving and releasing that takes place that is the breath that is in our lungs. And last week I told you, I don't think it's an accident that God breathed into man the breath of life and man became a living being. I don't think that's an accident, that spark, that touch of God. Remember what I said last week, even when that atheist will say there is no God, every breath coming out of his mouth is saying, yes, there is, you know? And so what we're looking at, this idea of these elementary things, and I just want like a bellow, kind of like we saw in that video. I want our lives to receive and give and receive all that God has and, and give what God desires through us. So our success is accomplished when we receive what God has for us, and then we release or breathe out what God wants through us. Everybody breathe in deep. We receive. Now everybody exhale. And we release what God has for us into the lives of others. And God, he's always wanted to do that through people. He's always wanted you to receive and release. That's just what he's always done. And so he's always looked for a person that would stand between the things of God and the things of the world and connect those. And over the last few weeks, we've been calling that person an ish habinayim. I don't know about you. I love that term. That idea of one who stands in the gap is what it means in Hebrews. It's a man or a woman who stands in the gap. And God is looking for some people that will say, I want everything God has for me, and I will allow him to use me every bit of the way he wants to to touch other people's lives. Is there really anything more to the Christian faith than that? No, no there's not. I mean, when it comes to the Christian faith, God, I'm not perfect. Amy, you don't have to be too excited. No, I'm not perfect. But I'm wanting to have you 
do whatever you want to do in my life. Change me, shape me, work in my life. God, do something in me. Striving to get to the foot of the cross. God, do a work in me through your spirit. And then, Lord, I don't want just what you have for me. God, do something in me for others. Do something in me through me, you know. Amy told me a couple days ago, she said she was up at Walmart and saw a guy in his back was hurting. They get talking. And you got some issues in the um, parking lot. And, and next thing you know, she's like, you know what? I just thought if you're going to talk about your life and you got some issues, I'm going to talk about my Jesus. And so my wife, with boldness, I'm so proud of you. You're getting fierce. Fierce. And so my wife, with boldness, said, can I pray with you? And prayed for healing for his back right there in the parking lot. That's just awesome. I think that's pretty cool. You know, but that's just my wife, in a sense, in that way. That's not something that's real natural for her. You know, it's something to where she's a little bit, that's a little, it was hard. But she's just making that point. I'm going to receive, and if there's an opportunity to give, I'm going to give. You know, you can't just keep inhaling. Right? You know? It's a natural flow of in and out. And so, and the reason why in momentum we feel that's so important is because God's working a story of hope out in your life. He is. He's, if you allow him to work change in you, if you allow him to, if you'll really live, our number one core value at Momentum Church is that idea of experiencing God. You know, it's intimacy with God, and it's living a participatory relationship with God. And if you live that way, I can't, you're going to fill up, you know. And out of that overflow, God's going to pour out. And that's a beautiful thing. And so everyone needs a story of hope, you included, and God begins to work that hope. But not just everyone needs a story of hope, but every story of hope needs an Isha Benayim. It, it needs somebody to stand in the gap. There was somebody that encouraged you. There was somebody that sowed into you. There was somebody that received and released into your life, and that's why you're here today, you know. And so we as a church are posturing and positioning ourselves right here before Easter to be those that stand in the gap and to be those who receive and release. And so the four ways we're doing that as we go up into Easter, we're excited about Easter, amen? This is going to be quite a time, I'm telling you. And I want you to pray. That's the first way, to be an Ishabinian. Pray. I want you to pray for the weather. Hallelujah. Right? Lord, come on, Jesus. Let's have good weather. Pray for the weather. Pray for the person that you feel God's leading you to reach. Because there's somebody that God wants you to bring to that event, you know. There may be a whole half a block that God wants you to bring. <coughs> Pray for who you're going to reach. Invite those people. Amen. And then serve. Plan to serve. Serve during that day. It's going to be an incredible day, that weekend of serving. And then the final thing is today, when you give, we're doing that special offering. So at the end of the service, when you give, over and above your tithe, put on your envelope, Easter gift. Or if you do it online, she has a thing. Um, I say she. She has a name. Christy. Can you guys thank Christy for all she does around here? I'm serious. You don't know behind the scenes how this woman keeps us out of jail, you know? She's awesome. And so put it, she's got it all set up on the online with this big Easter event on that day. Is it worth it? Was your story worth it? Be honest. I'm being honest. Was your story? <laughs> I, I hate that about me. I get choked up. <laughs> Eddie Bowers, your story is worth it, you know? Man. I, Matt Brandon, where are you, Matt? Your story is worth it, brother, you know? I'm sure there's some women in here whose story's worth it too, but I just like dudes. <laughs> so <laughs> look around this room. We got as many men in here, if not more. Come on, man, make some noise up in here. Yeah. I was back home with my family and they were asking, so what's different about your church? And they were weak today, weren't they, Debbie? Debbie went, 
Come on, ladies. Let me hear you, ladies. All right, all right. Men, you stink. No, I'm kidding. No, but I was telling my family, I'm like, man, God, God did a work in my dad. Because they know my papa, how bad he was and how that generation, how rough people they were. And they know how bad my dad was when he was young. And then when my early years, how bad my dad was. And when the power of the Holy Spirit got a hold of my dad, I got a new dad. I'm just being honest. And, and, and so I was telling the family, I was like, that's why I try to reach men as much as we can, you know. And, um, and we do. And it's just an awesome thing. So I got to keep preaching. So what I want to do... Everybody ready? <laughs> keep, keep, keep going, Pastor. Um, <laughs> during this series, I want to help us to be able to strip down faith to its bare elements so that we can know what we need to receive and release to be in the flow of God's best. And the thing is, you're a part of this ancient story, this ancient movement of God that began with those Israelites. As God moved them from the bondage of Egypt into the promised land, he is moving you from the bondage of sin into all his promise for your life. And so Passover, that's what we're in right now, the season of Passover, the season of Lent, or leading up to Easter, or as the Jewish people would say, Passover. During that season, the first Passover, God began to instruct Moses in reminding him on how how to remember these I wills, these four I wills, these four incredible truths that God said he would do in the lives of his people. And this ancient plan, he, I love this about my Jesus, my God, I love this. He made a point to say, hey, we're going to remember this over a meal. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? God is so good. You know, it's so neat how all these festivals and things in the word of God, you know, they, they go back to time with family and friends and food. Thank you, Jesus. And, and that's just part of, part of the culture. I love it. But this time of remembrance over the meal, there are four cups that are partaken of during that meal that point to key elements to what God wants to do in our lives. Not just the lives of those Israelites and what it looked like to bring them out of bondage, but what he wants to do. That ancient plan of God to move people towards great fulfillment through great victory, that, that plan of God to impact the world through you, to be impacted and to impact, to receive and to give or to release. And so from being a person that's completely disconnected to God to being a person who is purposeful in their growth in Christ and then finally being passionate about the work of the Lord in their life to the point that they begin to serve and do a work in other people's lives, there really isn't much more to the Christian faith than that. And so what we're going to look at, these four things, I want you to open your Bibles, as I said, over to Exodus chapter 6. Um, let's stand for the reading of the word. Can we do that? Exodus chapter 6, go to verse 2. God spoke to Moses and he said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. If you missed last week's series or sermon on this, please go back and listen. It will catch you up. We don't have time to kind of catch us up today. It says, I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, or in your life, who you were once held by, by sin. And I have remembered my covenant, says the Lord, to the people of Israel. Now here comes these four I wills. I am the Lord and I will bring you out. That is the cup of salvation. I'll bring you out from the burden of the Egyptians. And I will deliver you from slavery. That is the cup of deliverance. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. That is the cup 
of redemption. And finally, I'll take you to be my people, and I'll be your God, and you will know that I'm the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I'll give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. And that is the cup of halil, or the cup of praise. Another way they say the cup of fulfillment. Because basically, I'm going to bring you into what you were always called to walk in. And when you walk in it, guess what's going to happen? Praise is going to come back up to me. That's why they call it the cup of halil. Because when you're walking fulfilled, all right, he'll get the praise. It's not us getting the glory. It's him getting the glory, amen? And so that's the four cups, and so each week we're going to look at that. So go ahead and have your seat if you would. And so today we're going to start looking here in a second at the cup of salvation. And the reason why this is so important is we don't want to get stuck, all right? These four cups are progressive in a sense. They're kind of different stages of the believer's life. And so today as we look at the cup of salvation, you may say, well, pastor, this seems a little elementary. Well, I'm going to tell you, we as a staff decided that we need to go back before we can go forward, right? You ever see a bow, an arrow? You've got to pull back before you can go forward with a bow. And we want to hit the target God has for us, so we need to go back a little bit and talk about salvation a little bit. And this is important, I'll tell you why. So often in our membership classes, we have a, a place in there that asks, are you a born-again believer? You know, and we don't know what that means. And we've had a lot of people, I'm not exactly sure what that means, you know. And you know why that's the case? I don't fault them. We live in a very post-Christian world it's not the world that a lot of the ones that are here that grew up in little kids is in church you know it's just a it's a different environment you know I'll, I'll tell you how different an environment is My, a friend here in the church had a buddy be frustrated with him because he saw a picture of all of us praying you know how we pray sometimes I'll say stretch out your hands toward us as we pray over the person being baptized or over people at the altar and everybody does this right well the friend thought that this guy at our church was a part of the alt-right movement all right and that, that they were, we are neo-fascists, and that we were basically doing the old high Hitler thing. I know, not so good, you know. And so, but, it, but the thing about it is, when I looked at the picture, I was, I was like, wow. Probably kind of right. Bunch of hairy, burly, tattooed guys, you know. I mean, like, <laughs> some of y'all bald, you know what I mean? <laughs> Skinhead, not by choice, but still. You know, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. It's, it is, it is, I'm eating back here. It's on the way. It's on the way. And so, but that just touched my heart. It made me realize as a church, we've got to do everything we can because the world out there, if you will, is becoming more and more un, know, unchristian. More, they just don't know. It wasn't like, well, my, 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 my daddy was in church or my mama was in church. Or I, it was, it, it's been two, three generations. None of us have been in church, you know. And that's who God's called us to reach, Amen. So I don't fault that person for thinking that, but, you know, we had to kind of help educate that person a little bit to understand the ancient practice of stretching forth your hand in, in prayer, you know. And so that wasn't in the notes. Let me get back here. Um, <laughs> all right. So God gave these instructions for his, his people to be able to, rem to know this progression, and it's so important for us to walk in that. And the thing about it is as we look at the cup of salvation today, you may go, well, that seems a little elementary. Well, let's start there. Is that okay? So if you're here and you've been saved forever, don't go, well, this is just real elementary, you know, because there's some folk in here that need to hear this. Now, if you're a believer and this is kind of like, you know what, this is, isn't new to me, but I don't know if I can delineate this. Take notes. Actually, you don't, you don't have to take notes. Get your iPhone out. Go to the Momentum app, and there's a place on there that has today's sermon notes. Did you know that? 
Every week we have sermon notes right in there. All the scriptures, all the points. Pretty cool, okay? So, yes, you have an awesome church. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I love that. It's in there. It's in there. So here's the thing. The cup of salvation, another word for it is the cup of sanctification. The cup of salvation or the cup of sanctification. It's verse 6, and it says, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Okay, I'm going to bring you out from under their burden. I'm going to save you. I'm going to call you to be my own and bring you to myself. This is on God. I will bring you out. It's not on them. All right, because they've been in slavery for 400 years. Why? Because you can't get yourself out of slavery. You can't get yourself out of the bondage of sin. None of us are good enough, smart enough, bright enough, or quite honestly, spiritual enough to get ourselves out of the bondage of sin. We need a Savior. Isn't that awesome? And we have Jesus who comes and he saves us. He brings us out of Egypt. Now, next week, we're going to look at the cup of deliverance. He brings us out of Egypt. Next week, we're going to see how he brings Egypt out of us. Amen. But first, got to start somewhere. we got to start with, with salvation. So the cup of salvation, and, and the word for salvation or sanctification, not the word for salvation, the word for sanctification, a lot of times you'll see when you see this idea of deliverance in Scripture, you see this idea of, of, of salvation, it'll be this word in the New Testament, hagiosmos, okay? So let's put that up there, hagiosmos, okay? And so with this word, it literally is where we get the word for us, sanctification, or a setting apart as holy for God. All right? And that root of that word is hagios. It's, it's, it's the word holy. And, and I think about that. Okay, God is going to allow me to drink deeply from the cup of sanctification. He's allowed me to drink deeply from the cup, the well of salvation. You know, that eternal water that never runs dry. He's allowed me to drink deeply from that. But I think about that. God, I'm not, I'm not holy. And maybe you're here today and you're kind of kicking the tires on faith. And you're like, that word holy scares me, Ross. You know, it really scares me because I don't know if I can get good enough to walk in salvation. That's not the way it works, all right? When I was a kid, growing up kind of around what was called holiness-type churches, it was all about dress code. Did anybody go to churches when you were a kid that was all about dress code? Anybody? You know? Yeah, yeah. And, um, and so it was all about dress code. You know, you, you would never wear pants. You got to wear a skirt. That's for the girls, not the guys. Okay. You know? You had a, back then, they would grow their hair long, okay, and then bun it up. I mean, I don't know if you ever went to a church like that. Grow it long, bun it up, and then they would get shouting under the Lord, under the power of the Holy Spirit, and the hair would flop out. And, man, she danced her hair down, glory to God, you know. And all the deacons are like, yes, she did, <laughs> you know. It, so there was issues of holiness there that, you know, I'm just being honest. It, there's at no amount of dress or clothing or what you put on or what you don't. That doesn't make you holy. Now, I think it's honorable. I think it's modest. I think we ought to be modest people, amen? Amy has a thing. She says, modern but modest. I like that, modern but modest. But, but that's not holiness and true. I mean, there would be no makeup. My mother, I remember she would go to revival services, and she'd be all done up pretty with her makeup on, and, and she would have women just, Jezebel, you know? And my mother would almost look at him like, well, you need some makeup. Put it on, you know? But... I'm in favor of makeup. Let's just say that, okay? If, if the barn needs painting, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hagiosmos. Hag Everybody say hagiosmos. Here's what it means, okay? It, it, it's, it's, it's intermixed with the word salvation in the New Testament, but it, it, it's sanctification. It means this: to be set apart. 
Say that, set apart. Ooh, that should make you feel good. It's not holiness in the sense that I write, wear the right thing, do the right thing. No, 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 no. I am his, <laughs> and he is mine. That's set apart. I am his, and he is mine. We... Well, that wasn't in my head, was it? Yes. <laughs> Sometimes my hearing device, I wonder. It's like... <laughs> He says in verse 7, I, I will take you to be my people. Do you catch that? That's, salva- that's the cup of salvation. Him, it's all on him, very little on you. It's all on him. I will take you to be my people. In other words, I will set you apart. Young teenager, listen to me. He wants to set you apart. It's not so much that he wants you holy. It's that he wants you to know that you're his. Holy's good. I mean, I want my kids to walk after the things of God, but it doesn't start there. And so if you're here today and you're like, man, I just can't live up to this. <laughs> you're absolutely right. That's why he comes and he takes you <laughs> to be his people. You are his. That's hagiosmos. That is being set apart. I once was lost, now I'm found. Why? Because I figured it out. No, I didn't even know where to look. I sat on a log <laughs> and I find myself. I come circling around. Come find me, Jesus. Because I'm lost. And every time I try to find myself, I come circling around, and there's that dumb log again. There's that same thing that trips me up every time. There's that stupid rock, that stupid creek, that same thing that just pulls me down. You know what? I'm, I'm going to sit here. Jesus, I need you to find me. And there's people here today that Jesus is looking for you. Stop, stop running around the woods, you know. Sit down and let him set you apart. Let him go. There, come to me. Isn't that cool? Okay, that's hagiosmos. That's the idea of setting apart. And, and the key is, I am the Lord, and I will take you. The key is that we are his. It's kind of like this. My kids, the wise men children, they mess up, but they are still wise men. They're my babies. They're my children. When, when Grant was little and Mac, what we say to them is we'll have them say this. We are wise men men, and we're men of God. And I'd have Grant repeat that. Say that after me. Say, I'm a wise man man. I'm a wise man man, and I'm a man of God, and I'm a man of God. And then he'd go and he'd get in trouble at school. <laughs> Say, I mean, but he's still a wise man. Why? Because he's been set apart. He's mine. He's my boy. I was so proud of him at this funeral. He was the only one that was able to go with me on the trip. And he's 15 now. And I just was so stinking proud. And just to see my aunts and cousins and other people, you know, just honor Grant. You know, just, it just was a neat, neat week. You know, the boy's growing up. Praise Jesus. It's awesome. And so let's talk a little bit about the idea of drinking from the cup of, of salvation, what that means. When it comes down to salvation in the Old Testament, usually means rescue or deliverance from oppression or untimely death. And we see God throughout the Old Testament saving his chosen people time and time again from the hands of the enemy. That's the salvation of the Lord, continually coming and rescuing them. And we see in Scripture the battle that we fight, it isn't against physical enemy and against physical death. The battle that we fight is against spiritual death and a spiritual enemy. And we have been saved. We've been rescued from the death that comes because of sin. We've been rescued from the enemy of our heart, the enemy, the Satan. And so that, that's really what it's about. And so seeing that God is fully holy, it's a beautiful thing that he's fully holy, but with our sins we are not. What bridges us 
to a holy God? What allows us to interact with a perfect, holy God? And that is salvation. That is the blood of Jesus. We'll look at that here in a second. And the reason why it's so important to understand this is because salvation is more about being his than it is about being holy. Now, are you going to go, Pastor, so we just live for the world? We don't care about how we live? No, no, no. We'll talk about getting Egypt out of us next week, right? Right? But that's not salvation. That's deliverance. Salvation is embracing fully and knowing. He has paid a price that allows me to be his and for him to be to be mine. So in the beginning, let's go all the way back to Adam and Eve. God had made man for God's pleasure, to have back to God, and give man a, a world to possess for the glory and the honor of God, to bring praise back to God. And the enemy of our hearts, Satan, comes to break that up. Okay, so essentially what Adam and Eve did when they sinned, they essentially said this, God, I will be the God of my life. I know you have everything that you want to give to me, but I want to be in control. You know, I want to be the ruler of my life. The problem with that is, after a while, sin will not allow you to just have fun with it. Sin will start to rule your life, and you'll become a slave to sin. And it's just as strong as the 400 years of slavery that the Israelites had in Egypt. It's just, it's just as bad. It'll take everything from you. And that's what sin does. It brings a sense of separation from God's best into our life. And so God wants to come in and, 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 and bring a covering back over us. They essentially stepped out from the covering of God's blessing. And so there's no covering. Say no covering. There's nothing over their life. They are their own. I am my own. This is my world. And now because of that, price of everything. I always look at like an umbrella, you know. There's all this stuff happening out here. But if I'm up underneath the umbrella, there's a level of protection to my life, you know. Well, God's like, I want to cover you. You, you can step out from that and not follow after me. But man, there's so much demise. There's so much slavery, if you will, you know. So they had stepped out. In Genesis 3.21, it says, the Lord made for Adam and Eve garments of skin and he clothed them. And so God made a way for them to be saved from their nakedness. If you remember right, they felt naked and undone. And so he killed animals and covered them. Say covered them. And that right there is the beginning of the picture that something has to die for the covering to take place for the embarrassment of sin or for the price of sin. Something has to die. Flesh has to die. An animal had to shed its blood to pay the price for their sin. And that begins the picture in Scripture of sacrifice and atonement. The word atonement is a covering. And so it covers the sin of that person so that a holy God can connect with that person. And the blood of animals could only go so far. So God sent his only begotten son, Jesus, that perfect and final sacrifice. And in Hebrews 9, we see it say this way, For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with ashes of a heifer sanctify, there's that word sanctify, for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered him without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And so when it comes to the idea of salvation, it's the spiritual term that describes the way we are restored to a relationship with God. That's what salvation is. It's that spiritual term that says something had to die to be a covering over my sin, and that something wasn't a something, it was a someone, and that someone was Jesus, the perfect, perfect sacrifice. The shed blood of Jesus and through forgiveness of sin, that, that, that right there reconciles us back to God. It allows us to have that relationship with 
the Lord. Now, when I was a child, my mother taught me something, and I'm going to just put it out here. And look at our notes. This will give you something good. How many ever heard of the Romans Road? Yeah, some of you, a few of you. The Romans Road, what a beautiful way to understand this. And we'll walk through it real quick. It says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I mean, every one of us, there's nobody perfect. We all have fallen, and we are all separate from God apart from Jesus. We're separate from God's best because we need his covering over our lives. Each one of us have to realize that without Jesus, we're sinners, period. With Jesus, we're sinners. We're just saved, you know. We still struggle. We may not be a sinner, but we still sin. And so it's not about holy. It's about his. It's about being his. And so we saw how Adam and Eve, there was a price for them to pay for sin. There was separation. God stopped visiting with them in the cool of the evening at that time. Restoration came later, but that time, they ran from the presence of God. How sad to run from the presence of the Lord. Sin enters the earth, and the toil and labor of the ground came to be, you know. Sin enters the earth, and the woman is speaking out against the man. The man is speaking out against the woman. So there's a wage of sin, and what the wage of sin in Romans 6.23 says, that wage, that price for sin is death. Now, death isn't physical death because Adam and Eve didn't die, right? It was separation from the presence of God. There's something worse than physical death. It's that idea of separation, you know? And we're all going to die, but this isn't speaking of that. This is speaking of that second death, that eternal separation from God is what it's speaking of, not physical death. But God's always desire for fellowship to be with man. So what does he do? He creates another way, and he says this, the free gift of God's eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that good? The free gift. It's not a wage. A wage is something you earn, right? A gift is something you're given. And so as I live for myself, I earn separation from God's best. As I say, God, I can't do this on my own. I want to be yours. His covering comes into my life. We'll talk about that in a moment. Comes into my life. And as his covering comes, his blessing comes. As his covering comes, all that he has comes as a free gift to us. And that gift is eternal life. And so do I need to be good enough to get there? You know, I'll come to church for a little bit. Before I get saved, before I come to salvation. Well, no. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet still sinners, he died for us. I love that. No matter what you're going through right now, whether you're embracing sin and made a commitment to say, I want to follow after Jesus, it doesn't. No, no. He demonstrated his love towards you while he was on the cross, while you were still a sinner. He died for you. I love that. It's so beautiful. And so just like Adam and Eve had to accept the gift of God's covering, that animal skin, to cover their nakedness, we too must accept the work of Christ's sacrifice in order to be, to be clothed in his righteousness. And how does that look? Romans 10, 9, and 10. You see why we call it the Romans road? There's just, it just kind of walks us through some understanding. In Romans 10, 9, and 10, and I'm, I'm doing this because I want to be sure everybody really has a clear picture of what it means to be saved or born again. To have a new life in Jesus. And this is how it is right here. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. You can't grab a hold of spiritual things with your hand. It just doesn't happen. You grab a hold of spiritual things with your words, with your belief in your words. Okay, so literally faith 
the word for faith in the, in the Greek literally means like a hand that grabs a hold. And so with that idea of, of grabbing a hold of something, we put faith. God, I do believe that you are the son of God. Forgive me for my sins. Come into my life. I will serve you all the days of my life. And we do that around here in a simple prayer. We just help people pray that prayer. And, and does that prayer, is it magic? Does it save you? No, it's your belief. It's your confession. And in your life, as you move forward living for God, that, that, that's what it is. It's, I, I, there's people who come to me at times and ask about salvation, and it's like, you're already saved. You just know as you talk to them, they, they, they're saved. They just haven't prayed a prayer. And then there's people who have prayed a prayer, and they're not saved. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it, it's not magic, but it's a good place to start. It's a good place to know, hey, I believe this. I'm praying this. And I'm wanting to follow after the things of God. It's not, I prayed a prayer when I was seven years old. I know I'm good and I don't care. That's, that's a little different, right? All right. So when it comes down to it, if you've already made that confession of faith, man, we praise God for that, you know? If you haven't made that confession of faith, Lord, today I believe is the day that you can leave this house and say, you know what, Ross? Lord has touched my heart. And wants me to begin this process of salvation and deliverance. And what does it mean to have value? To know what it means to be redeemed by God and what that looks like. What does it mean to live a life fulfilled, you know? But I want to start that today. And so here in a moment, we're going to have prayer for you. And, man, we're going to celebrate that God is bringing salvation to you today. Amen? Now, salvation, I say that, and it might sound like that just means it's for the new person that needs to come to Jesus. No, 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 no. That salvation means so much. It means wholeness, healing, deliverance. It, it, everything that God has comes through that, that atonement, through that covering. Man, you have access when you are his. Amen? He's your dad. It's his house, and everything in his house is yours. Come on. And so today, here in a moment, we're going to have the band come back up. And, and as they come up, we're going to worship just a little bit more. And we're going to open these altars for prayer. Because salvation doesn't just mean that you get saved, and that's that. Salvation means that if you're here today and you need healing in your body, we believe in the atonement of Jesus. By his stripes, you can be healed. Amen? You, you need victory in your life over something you're struggling with? We believe that God can do that. You know, you just need encouragement. We believe the body is to encourage the body. And so some of our, our, our leadership is going to come up here and a few others that I've invited to come pray. And, and they'll be up here praying with you as we worship. And so here in a moment, there'll be an opportunity just to say, God, move. Have your way. Touch our hearts. I am yours. You are mine. And I need you right now, God. You know? That's a gift. That's a benefit of salvation. One last thing before we go to prayer. Our success is accomplished when we move from where we are to where God wants us to be and we take others with us on that journey. So it's not just I'm saved, okay, I'm receiving what I need. That's another reason why I want these people to come front up here to pray with people is remember what I said, God, the church, you. And people, there's always people that need, even here in the house, there's always people that need a touch from God. But God always does that touch through his body. Isn't that awesome? He does it through his body. So here's what I want you to get in your head. Every week it's going to be something like this, okay? Remember, we receive, saved, that's awesome, but I am saved, you release, I'm saved to save. Now, do you do the saving work? No. But you have a place in the process of lives being changed, you are a key, key element in seeing that happen. So, God, I am saved. I run to him and I receive all that he has. 
miracles. And now God used me. Today, God's going to use people here at the altar to lay hands and to believe for miracles in your lives. And to pray for them. And they may come on Easter Sunday and get saved. They may come next week and get saved. They may get saved in your living room. But I'm receiving. I'm saved to save can't live my life as a believer only wanting that for me to be separated to him. I can't live my life satisfied that I get the stuff, that I get the relationship, that I'm not separated, that I'm not lost in the woods anymore. I can't live that way. I can't. I've got to live that way where, God, thank you, I'm found. I'm not wandering any longer. And now I may not know a whole lot, but I know enough to tell somebody, hey, can we sit here on this stump for a second? Sit here. I want to tell you about something. Because I'm, these woods are scary, and I remember these woods one day. I remember how it was in my life. And I stubbed my toe on that rock right there. But you know what? If we stay here, I want, I want to talk to you about somebody. And the presence of God shows up. And it gets beyond you just going, you know, there's sin in your life. Get right or get left. <laughs> it gets beyond. That's It gets... I was lost. And this is what the woods look like to me. This is what the environment looked like to me. This is what I stubbed my toe on. And it's not because I'm holy, because I'm not, but I'm his. And so you can be his also, you know? That's pretty good preaching for a tired man, I'm telling you. <laughs> and here's what it says, and we're going to close and come to these altars. Romans 10, 14, but how can they call on him to be saved unless they believe in Jesus? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Everybody breathe in deep. We're saved. Everybody exhale to save. Isn't that awesome? God does a work in us and through us. So right now, I've asked some people to come to these altars. Before they do, before they do, with every head up and every eye open, this is a good time. This is exciting. Nothing to be embarrassed about at all. If you've come to faith in Christ before, praise the Lord. But if you're here today and you're going, you know, I don't think I've ever prayed a prayer to know confidently that I've come to Jesus, that I'm drinking from this cup of salvation. I don't know if I've ever prayed that prayer. Or number two, it's been a long time. I just, I, I doubt my faith. I doubt the confidence in my salvation. You know, I just want to leave here sure that I'm walking after Jesus. You know, if that's you, let's do this first. If you have never, today's that first day, I want to give my life to Jesus. Would you hold your hand up? Anybody here? We made it real clear what it looks like. Anybody here? Anybody, anybody, anybody? If anybody here, you're just like, I just, I, I, I feel like I, let's all pray this prayer. Say, I just want to renew my relationship with Jesus. Anybody? Raise your hand, raise your hand. Let's all pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, thank you for doing the work to save me, for shedding your blood to cover my sins. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving my sins. Without you, I am undone. I'm lost in the woods, but you found me. And I thank you, Jesus. I will serve you, Lord, all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Let's stand to our feet. We have a little bit more time here before we dismiss. And what we're going to do is go back into worship. I'll come up and dismiss just in a few minutes. But if you're here today and you need a touch from Jesus, our salvation gives us that access. Amen? And so if you need that today, 
as our leaders, some of our leaders, and, and, I, and I'd ask Jim and Nancy to come up and pray. Come on up here, if you would. As you have a need, come. Come quickly to these altars so that we can pray with you. And then I'll come back up in a moment and dismiss. I, I, couldn't, have, I couldn't have set this up to be better, okay? My, my wife is at Walmart. She likes Walmart. And she meets Ellie, who works there. And she invites Ellie to come to Turning Point, which is a Friday night event for 20-somethings, young adults. And Ellie, in her boldness, shows up this past Friday night. And Amy went there as well. It was their one-year celebration of Turning Point. And so Amy, that was her guest, you know. And then Ellie comes today and this morning has a need. And the Lord's interacting and touching her at that place of her need. Could God have done that without her showing up? Yeah, maybe. But a receiving, God, and this is, like I said, this is very new for my wife in some ways. A receiving, okay, God, now what? What do you have for me? And going to the world looking with eyes going, God, what do you have? Where's there's a need? Where's there a need? And the Lord brought sweet Ellie and a connection. And then today, the Lord's ministering to her. Isn't that neat? Come to find out she comes and has known the Villalobos family for years. Isn't that neat? This is just a, the Lord just has a way of wrapping things. We're saved to save. I, I don't know about you. For me, that's the joy of my salvation. That, that, that he loves me enough that I'm his. And then he loves me enough that I can live a life where I can connect with people and point to him so that they might be his too. That's when salvation, that's when the Christian faith gets real, real good. Amen? And so I just, I, I want to do this. I did this a couple weeks ago. I want to do it again. <laughs> I want you to stretch up your hands. <laughs> stretch up your hands. Father, every hand raised, these are those that are Ishab ben Ayims, those that stand in the gap. They want all that you have for them, Jesus, not one thing less. Fill them, Lord, with all that you have, and then use them wherever they go to pour out from that overflow all that you desire, God. We receive and we release your best into this world. We thank you, Jesus, that you allow us to partner with you in that. What a joy to drink deeply from the cup of salvation. In Jesus' name, give God some praise in here. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.